These are the precepts whose fruits a person enjoy in this world, but whose principle remains intact for him in the world to come. They are the honor due to father and mother, <coughs> acts of kindness, early attendance at the house of study, morning and evening, hospitality to guests, visiting the sick, providing for a bride, escorting the dead, absorption in prayer, bringing peace between man and his fellow, and the study of Torah is equivalent to them. Blessed you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Blessed you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who selected us from all the peoples and gave us his Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. Rick Spurlock has been getting up at three in the morning in order to get into the simulator and teach people not to die or to kill other people. And he is uh, struggling with staying awake at seven o'clock at night. So he begs your indulgence. Adelaide Stevenson, or Adelaide Stevenson, depending on where you're from. Does anybody know who he is? That's a he. Adelaide is a, a he. Yeah, Adelaide Stevenson. Wow. Adelaide Stevenson. Adelaide Stevenson. Anybody? Anybody? Anybody wrote? No. Kennedy's, Kennedy's Secretary of State. Pretty close. Pretty close. Reagan. That was his grandson was in that era. 1897-ish, 23rd Vice President of the United States. The only Vice President of the United States who, when he left office, was nominated to be Vice President with another guy. He did not say this about faith. He said this about patriotism. But I've repurposed this for faith. Faith is not short, frenzied outbursts of emotion, but the tranquil and steady dedication of a lifetime. I like that. And I think it's true. Tonight I'd like to tell you a quick story about Yehudit. And then I'd like us to talk about Hanukkah. And then we'll have a little bit of wine and get you out of here. A little tipsy, but definitely able to handle the. Uh, it really makes it a lot. The drifts, the <laughs> major <laughs> drifts. Are you talking about the drifting car or <laughs> the drifting <laughs> snow? Yeah, that's right. You can right. handle the drifts. Cost <laughs> yes, you know you're going too slow. It's all four tires are on. Judith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Judith. Oh, it's like one of my favorite stories. Is that Esau's wife? Was it Esau's no. wife? There was one who was an Esau's yeah, wife, but the name is more popular than yeah. that. I don't, yeah, I don't think this is that one. <laughs> so as the story who did goes, who did it? which is uh, not available in Hebrew, um, but only in a, in a poor Greek translation, uh, this is about the time of the Maccabees, right? And uh, they're fighting... And one of the towns is surrounded, and Yehuda is in the town. She's a beautiful woman. She's a widow. Her husband had died years before, but she's a beautiful woman. And known 
for her chasteness and her good attitude, care for the poor, etc. And this town had been besieged for so long that the people were literally starving and dying of thirst. So the elders of the city got everybody together and said, uh, we need to uh, we need to surrender. But we want some time. Townspeople wanted to do it then. The elders asked for five more days to see if God would come to their aid. We got the big team. They've ascended from the south. Grab some chairs, man. You know? It is. And it makes your arrival all the sweeter. All right. And a closer one at that. Pull forward, man. Pull forward. Laying a couple of rows there. Who's that, bro? You didn't get the same answer. Good you. don't worry, brother. How's that wing? We doing good? Can we arm wrestle yet? I got a hundred dollar bill. Whenever you want it, baby. Rick's ready. He's ready for a hundred dollar bill. Not my keep Oh, that was fireworks! I do legs. All right. Oh, wow. Class is double. Class is double. this I, you know, I hate the reposition thing. It's just, it's getting every pimple on your forehead. It's That's not being, Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who haven't been here for a while, there are two webcams, and they're in beta test right now, so no funny business. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm in the middle of telling this really cool story about Judith, or Yehudit, so I'll back up a little bit so that you don't lose the uh, thing. For those of you who heard the first couple of seconds or minutes, just bear with me. Okay, so time of the Maccabees, town is surrounded, and the elders of the city call everybody together. The city wants to surrender because they're starving and they are thirsty. The elders tell the people that they should wait five more days, just five days, and see if God will answer them and provide relief. So... The town people hear that, they all start to walk away, back to their homes. And there's one woman who's just standing there. She hadn't moved. Staring at the elders. And the elders are starting to walk away. And they're like... And Yehudit is a beautiful widow. Her husband had died in the fighting years earlier. And she calls the elders to task. And she says, why do you put God to the test? Why do you give him five days? He's able to save at a moment's notice. You need to have more faith. 
I have a plan. I'm going to leave the city and find the general in charge of the army against us. And turn myself in. And the elders try to talk her out of it. And she says, No, I think this is going to work. Let's watch God work. So they pray for her. She takes her maid, they leave the city, go right up to the enemy troops. She boldly says, Take me to the general. I've heard he's a heroic man. They escort her to the general's tent. He comes out, sees she's beautiful. Got the maid with her, she's got the veil on. What do you want? I've heard that you're a hero, and I don't want to die in the town with everybody else. So I'm here to tell you how you can take the town if you'll spare me and my maid. Well, he's enthralled. He says, okay, it's a deal. What are we going to do? She says, well, it's desperate in the town right now. They're starving. Very, very thirsty. It won't be long before God withdraws his hand of blessing from the people because they're going to get so hungry that they're going to start to eat unkosher meat. They'll be eating the cats and dogs and mules in the town. And then God will turn them over to you. No problem. Well, he's excited. She says, uh, I have worked out a deal with the town. I'm supposed to tell them that I'm spying on you, so I need to go every night and tell the guards what's happening in your camp, and they'll tell me what's happening in their camp, and then I'll come back and tell you. King says, this is, this is fabulous. Okay. Realizes she's beautiful. Says to his entire army, don't touch this woman. Let her go wherever she wants. Well, a few days later, she's walking anywhere she wants within the enemy camp. And each night, she goes to the edge of the wall. And the lookout calls down. And she tells him what's going on in the enemy camp. She comes back, gives a report to the king. Things are desperate. Several days go by. The king's getting a little anxious. Men are wondering why they're not attacking. So he calls Judith in. What's the deal? And she says, oh, it won't be more than a day or two now. They're completely out of food. Everything's done. They're going to start killing the cats and dogs and mules. They'll eat the unkosher food. And God will turn them over. Outstanding. He says, this is great news. She says, it'll happen by tomorrow. He says, then we need to have a party. Now, every time she's been with the king, she's been with her maid. And the maid is standing right there. And he says, we need to have a party tonight. And it'll just be you and me. She says, that sounds fabulous. So she goes off. The king is already known for drinking a lot. She shows up that evening. He's got all these fine delicacies and wine and all of that, and she's brought a basket. And she says, uh, well, we, don't, we don't need your stuff. I brought these fine aged cheeses and this old wine 
go to our town. You want to drink this. You want these cheeses. So she gives him the cheese, drinks the wine, and sure enough, he's passed out on the floor in just a little while. Turns him face down, pulls his giant sword out, prays that God will give her strength, and takes his head off. Boom! Wraps it up, sticks it in her basket where the cheese and the wine was, <laughs> and walks out of the tent. Isn't molested by the army because she's allowed to go wherever she wants. Gets the maid servant, and they slowly and quietly walk back to the town. Calls to the guard, open the gate, let me in. Asks to see the head of the uh, town, and she says, You men need to attack by surprise right now. And when you attack, they're going to run into the king's tent, and they're going to find him with no head. Because here it is. They are galvanized. They attack. They win. And she was right. As soon as they ran into the, the general of the king's tent, see the headless body, they scattered. And she was a warrior princess, if you will. And the talk of legend. You got even Gentiles like me telling her story. Unbelievable. <laughs> This is just one of the many stories from Hanukkah. Another one is about a widow and her seven sons. We've heard that one before. You should be familiar with that one. So tonight, I just want to gently and quietly talk about Hanukkah because you may believe that it's like Christmas. If you equate Hanukkah with Christmas, you've been deceived. We're going to talk about that. If you think Hanukkah is a quaint, cool little holiday where you get to have greasy foods, fried foods, hopefully some cheese and some wine, I mean, isn't that what life is all about? <laughs> then you too are missing out. So tonight, in about 20 minutes, I just want to have you do a brain dump about Hanukkah. And I have just a couple of questions to spark your conversation. Thank you very much. <laughs> Quick quiz. What is the first word that comes to mind when you hear Hanukkah? Joe. First word. Candles. Candles. Get you. Maccabees. Maccabees. Good. I like it. Peter. Oil. Oil. Joshua. Dedication. I knew that was coming. He's a ringer. <laughs> I know what you were going to say. So what's the first word that comes to mind now? Say donuts. <laughs> Jelly donuts. Jelly donuts. <laughs> Even best. Two words. Yeah. Oh. Hammer. No. Hammer. Okay. Hammer. Right. Light, light of Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Very cool. Menorah. Eight. Eight. I like it. Tim. Drain. Coins. Coins. Okay, cool. Or gelt. Yeah. I was going to say menorah, but I was going to say 25. 25. We're going to talk about that. Lockets. Lockets. I went with J. 
jelly donuts. You like jelly donuts? <laughs> <laughs> uh, miracles. Miracles. Okay. We covered it all? My first. Okay. So, that was less than 20 minutes. Well, I'm not done. Oh. <laughs> what is Hanukkah, in a nutshell? How would you describe, somebody says, do you, keep, do you, do you practice Christmas? What's your answer supposed to be? No. no. Wrong. I celebrate Hanukkah. Wrong. No. Do you, do you celebrate Christmas? What should your answer be? What is Christmas? That's the that's the question. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by Christmas? See now, Noah was here in the first year when we did Greg Kokel's stuff on those questions you should ask. What do you mean by Christmas? Right? What do you mean by Christmas? Do you mean do we celebrate the birth of Messiah Yeshua, the Savior of the world? Absolutely. About two months ago. We just do it yeah. on his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and you start to talk. Good job. Good job. So if you get past that, they see the keeper, they see the zitzi, they're going to ask. So what's up with Hanukkah? What's up with that? What do you say? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. That's oh, this year, right? What do you say? Well, it depends on who you're talking to. Okay, well, give me an example. Uh, gray, B, flat, your description. Yeah, yeah. Christian? Yeah. Right out of the church. <laughs> and they asked me, you celebrate Hanukkah? Yeah, what's up with Hanukkah? I say, yeah. Yeah. I did okay, so what, what, what is that all about? What do you say? Hanukkah is um, a festival. It's called Festival of Lights. Uh, it's actually a celebration of God's miracles and the rededication of the temple. Okay. So what's Hanukkah mean? Get dedication. Better. Rededication. Rededication. Good. So you focus on the miracles and the rededication. What would you focus on? If it's the concert B flat, right? Yeah, yeah. Concert B flat. <laughs> um, I would say um, I, I celebrate Hanukkah because Jesus did. Yeah. Okay, so he mentioned Feast of Lights or Festival of Lights. It's also in the scriptures, two names, Festival of Lights and Festival of Dedication. Dedication. Good. So, I did it. Jesus did it. Why don't you do it? We turn that back around on the... Give me more. I don't get it. What are we dedicating? Why am I doing this? Yes, sir. I... When I was working with my coworkers, who I think are even less aware of biblical principles than your standard E flat Christian, yeah, um, I focused more on the miracle aspect and tying in like kind of a war of independence. Okay, um, I think a lot of Americans can identify with that concept. Yeah. So yeah. it was sort of focusing on this was a time when um, Israel was outnumbered. God blessed them, gave them a miraculous victory over Fife the enemies. Fife and drum, Boston so, Tea Party. Gotcha. Yeah, so, parallel. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. yeah, it's good parallel. Good. One of the things I would like to emphasize is it's not, as you mentioned and alluded to earlier, a time where we give gifts traditionally, although that's what it's turned into. There's really only one country in, in the world 
one or two that. that gives gifts on Hanukkah. So I would like to dispel that and say, well, it's traditionally was never meant to be a competition with Christmas. It preceded Christmas by a long time. In fact, it started before the year zero. And then you could launch into a little bit of a history that way. But ju I just don't want people to think that it's a comp competing with it's, Christmas. It's not a substitute. Or so, correct. I was in the church, practiced Christmas, now I practice now Judaism, I so I do Hanukkah. Exact same way. Yeah. I don't get a Christmas tree, I get a Hanukkah bush. I right, don't get right. a Hanukkah bush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It exists. Right? Right? So, I think you know, what Taylor was saying is that it's important to when the concert B-Fly Christian asks you, you do you celebrate Christmas? And you yeah. say no, you don't immediately follow up by saying I celebrate Hanukkah. Right. Because they're two separate things. Exactly. I would I would never compare the two and bring them together. I used to, but I wouldn't now. In fact, I would argue that of all of the extra biblical festivals, and by extra biblical, I don't mean that it's it's not something that we should practice. I, mean, I just mean that it's not in the Torah, and nor is it in the in the prophets, right? Rabbi Daniel Lappin would argue with you. Yeah, of course he would. But I'm not going to find that there. Right. I'm going to find it in the first and second Maccabees books, right? Mm -hmm. If I want to read about what happened. So that's why I call it an extra biblical well, festival. Well, although it's not extra biblical if we're including the Apostolic writings in our. Absolutely. Bible. Absolutely. But to write, read about the story of what happened, sure. I've, I've got to go to some other writings. Right. Which is a little hooby scooby with your concert B flat Christian. Especially Baptist. <laughs> you know, you're not one of them Catholic battles, are you? I say it's also one, probably one of the hardest, other than like differentiating between Easter and Passover, hmm. going between Hanukkah and Christmas, is probably one of the hardest to sell even a non believer on. Yes. Because although you have factual basis for why you're celebrating this holiday, when they don't have anything about Christmas in anywhere. But it's probably one of the most difficult because even for non-believers, you're going to look, they're going to look at it, oh, well, everybody knows it's Jesus' birthday, regardless of whether you're a believer or not. Right. Or not. Well, I don't have to be a believer. I just like to celebrate Christmas. Right. So I would find it be the most difficult to try and make any headway on at all because sure. of the attachment to the tree and the presents. Absolutely. And Passover and Easter, though we don't want to admit it, there is a very strong parallel, right? I mean, they are connected at the hip. Different focus. Right. Different origin. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, without, the, without the gifts, taking that away, that's yeah. a real hard sell to a Gentile. Because it's like, wait, so this, this holiday is all about the Jews back, back then, you know? And so without the understanding of Romans 11 and joining ourselves to Israel, yeah. it does seem like, what's the point? It That's seems out, them of, and out of the box. Yeah. It has nothing to do with our history as Gentiles. Exactly. Nothing to do with our country in America. What are you doing? You are obviously, as I thought, just very weird. I wear the other bracelet. I think the other common association for Christians, I, I mean, I know when I was practicing Christianity before I knew anything about it, the only thing I knew about Hanukkah was the eight days. Right. right? Eight days. So there's because you you've heard enough. Yeah. You've heard enough <laughs> on enough culture somewhere to yeah. know that 
you know, there was this oil that lasted for eight days. Exactly. You don't really know the background. Hence the Heineken. Yeah. Right? Uh, but but there's a, an association that the oil, the eight days of oil, is the miracle, which is not really the case. Exactly. I mean, that is a miracle. That is a miracle. That's not the miracle. That's right. right. That's, that's not the miracle that we should focus on. Hang on one second, sir. I, I want to say that when you engage in discussions like this, it's always good to have your 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 the next if, if you're going to say well, I celebrate Jesus' birth when he was actually born it's good to have some background information especially from the bible to be able to explain this to your inquisitive christian sure you know it's yeah. it's, it's I, I don't, Greg I don't did a great study on that a while back and, and um, it, it's good to know the finer points of that to be able to explain it yeah but that's know. that's more of an anti christmas argument than it is a pro hanukkah argument but I'm, I'm with it. I mean, for us to just say stuff and not be able to talk about it. Hang on one second. Yes. One other pro-Hanukkah argument that um, my wife and I did last year that was a lot of fun was, without necessarily going into a whole lot of uh, extreme amount of explanation, we made Hanukkah cheesecake okay. and brought it to my work. And we gave, uh, Juliana made like little individual cheesecakes for yeah. people. And I gave them a little card that explained like real brief what Hanukkah was and yeah. why we celebrate it. And it's like, this is a c- customary food. That doesn't necessarily sell someone on a spiritual level for Hanukkah, but those types of things can be helpful to kind of open people's like cultural minds. Sure. Think, Maybe this is weird, but it's kind of cool. And I actually had a coworker like a few months later around Pesach who tried to do like a no bread diet kind of thing with me during Pesach cool. because he thought it was cool. Yeah. So, so a, a non-confrontational, non-religious. This is a non-problem holiday. Like a tactic, just because it comes so early this year, uh, when, when people say, "So you ready for the holiday season?" So what are you talking about? I had money already. It's already over. Good. Yeah. yeah. All right. To one sec. To your point, isn't that what Rick Hergenreiter just did with the boxes he sent to Afghanistan? Mm-hmm. Right. Not a big religious push, just to say, "Hey, it's Hanukkah." We're thinking about you. And here's some stuff for you. I think also, um, I got you. a little bit to Johnny's point, but more so in the Hanukkah, that I think it's important for maybe someone like me who's not as versed in you know what Hanukkah is all about yeah. um, to actually know the historical facts. Because one, one, uh, one thing that I've encountered with some Christians is they kind of make a big deal about like, oh, like that was like a rebellion. Sure. You know, and they kind of push that yeah. to where you now are trying to defend that. Well, you know, rebellious people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the 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 whole rebellious people is tough because that's the way Judaism as a whole is viewed by Christianity as a whole. Neither exists, right? There is no Judaism as a whole. There is no Christianity as a whole. But as a whole, Judaism is seen by Christianity as rebellious, rebelling against Messiah. No, 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 we're not going to do that. And, and by the way, you Romans, we don't like you either. Boom! And the Romans go, BAM! And they're out of the land. So what, what, do, we, what do we get out of that? Christians, looking back 2,000 years, they're rebellious. So the whole, they're big, several years ago, what, 10, 15 years ago, right? We saw a whole, rebellion is bad, rebellion is in the camp. Oh my goodness, we read about that in the Old Testament. Oh, I saw a smell of rebellion in the camp. And the Messianic movement is, is flaming, you know, Fanning the flames of that, big time. But 
to your point, paralleling it with the 1776 thing and the whole rebellion against a tyrant, um, right. against the tyrant and oppression and, and a whole deal. I, you know, if you find yourself standing against the Maccabees, yeah. you, you know, you really need to think about whether or not you want to go ahead back to, to England, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which at times may be better, but uh, they've already got Obamacare. <laughs> In line with uh, some of our sentiments to not give the church such a hard time, Yes. Which is what we all want, right? Indeed. I think that... <laughs> oh, no, it's fun to mess with them. No question. But that's not what we want, right? We need to build. Does everybody agree with that? Right. Yes. We really don't want that. We'd, we'd rather they sit down at the table and have a common sense argument. In line with that, I think that also it can be easy to get sucked into an anti-Christmas Attitude, which, on the one hand, Christmas is blatantly pagan, and so that needs to be addressed head on. I would say it started blatantly pagan, and then got adopted, and then became blatantly pagan. (laughs) But But, but you raise a good point. But on the other hand, I think especially this becomes very pointed when we begin to address family members who Mm -hmm. still celebrate Christmas. Yes. Mm It can be really difficult to what what do you say when they're when they still okay, that's great, you celebrate Hanukkah, great for you. I, let me let me just answer quickly to make sure everybody in the chief seats is with you and I. Okay. In my opinion, you take it for what it's worth. If you disagree, you're wrong. It's okay. <laughs> in my opinion, if Christmas is the topic and you mention Hanukkah, you already blew it. Let me say that again for you slow ones. If Christmas is the topic and you mention Hanukkah, you already blew it. Because now you are comparing them and they want you to. In which case they start getting juxtaposed. And they're not. They're not in any way. They have nothing to do with one another except that a lot of the time, surely not all of the time, they're pretty close on the, you know, on the calendar. That's it. So my goal tonight is to give you three things about Hanukkah, and the first one is, it has nothing to do with Christmas, and if that's the topic, keep your mouth shut about Hanukkah. And on that same note, because you address Christmas on Christmas terms, the history, what's the history of Christmas? Did Sure no, 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 we're not doing Christmas tonight. I'm right, with I know that, but just with the whole context of talking about Hanukkah, Keep Hanukkah Hanukkah Amen. when talking to the Amen. family members. So. And I think this year, we've got it made. Yeah. Because so now you talk about Hanukkah, and they're stuck <laughs> equating it with Thanksgiving, <laughs> which is not a bad thing. Even though that's even got less in common. That's right. Um, I don't know. I don't know if my comment's more about, I think it's more about Christmas than Hanukkah, so it probably doesn't really matter. Well, sure. Well, I don't know. I, I think I would be also very careful that we we take we say that Christmas is all pagan. I, I think and what you just said, because he's from Florida, I think what you just said is that we should be careful to not imply that Christmas is all pagan. Is that correct? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, I guess. Because I would agree with that. 
Because, because I can tell you what, the people that I know that are celebrating Christmas are not pagan in any way. Right, and, and whether we define Christmas as gifts and Christmas trees and hustle and bustle, yeah, I think is ludicrous. I think this is, this is a time where we actually celebrate our Messiah. Now, it may be at the wrong time. Agreed. But there are many people who may come to know Messiah at this time. There are, uh, there are great... There's tremendous music, whether you believe in it or not, and there's it's a tremendous gathering of family. So there, I, whether it's the right time of the year, wrong time of year, and I'm not I'm not trying to so much defend Christmas as I am that it's it's. I don't think it's all pagan. I, I don't think it's all. I'm with him. Yeah. I really am. I got you both. You you may find that odd. I grew up with family members who only went to Mass twice a year. When was that? There's a lot of good that's come. Yeah, there's a lot of pagan roots. Then we seem to clean the act up. And then we trashed it again. (laughs) And of course, as a body of believers... What did we do? We invited Presbyterians, Calvin, thank you very much. We <laughs> invited the government to get involved in our faith. Stupid! And then what did we do? Recently, we invited the culture to get involved in our faith. Stupid! So the fact that people are, are celebrating Christmas is not a bad thing. But to Noah's point, what are you doing? Is it a great holiday time? You're lost and need Messiah Yeshua. It's as simple as that. Oh no, we're celebrating the birth of the Savior of the world. God bless you. My father-in-law's in that camp. What a godly man. So he got the dates wrong. So let's not trash it. Let's tune it. And I, and I think that's the key, because I think we can take some elements of the celebration of Christmas and incorporate it into why we're celebrating Hanukkah. I wouldn't do that. And that's my point tonight. Okay. I agree you can do that, but I wouldn't do it. Okay. It's wrong. Okay. But I don't disagree in any way that we should have the discussion about Christmas, find out why they're celebrating it, and then maybe kick off a little, a little history lesson to make them realize... Yikes. I'm with you 100%. I just wonder if you got the timing right. And I think that's what I meant by mistake. And there so, it is. So I would, I would just stay away from Hanukkah. I think you were first in him. I was just going to say, because I'm kind of seeing both sides and being, like when we first got married and first started getting involved with celebrating Hanukkah and stopped celebrating Christmas, it is really tricky with family. You bet. Because that time is seen as really sacred like high, this is time where point. we will travel mm-hmm. to the end of the country to come visit you on at this time of the That's year right. but one of the things I mean, the wise men did right <laughs> why won't you <laughs> one of the things that we found to be very helpful though is trying to dissect christmas away from the values that should be in our lives good. all year good round. good so with family time for instance recently we got a christmas party invitation and so I told Morgan, let's, let's respond by saying, 
thank you, but no thank you. We, we, we won't participate in this particular event, but we would love to have you guys over at another time because family time is really important to us, Good. especially around this time of yeah. year. So you're not and just, so you're just Right, exactly. So you're always just spinning it off of the, the traditional things because usually if you say, you know, name the top five things that you think of when I say Christmas, most of those are the pagan things. And a lot of times people aren't saying things like, Family time, or, or I mean, some spending are. a spending a significant amount of time in prayer, thanking him for the many blessings, right. beginning with the Messiah. Uh, well, and, and even with with the Messiah thing, it's kind of like did, I didn't mean the music; I meant the guy. Well, right, but it's like when you when you say, "Well, we're celebrating the Savior's birth," then of course the question is, why are you celebrating it that way? Because you're celebrating the same way that other people are celebrating something completely different than that. Was that edifying to Messiah? Is that how he would have wanted? Do you know that in December we are going to have a class on how to talk about Christmas? But that's not this class, and that's not tonight, and it's not December. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> well, well, there go your count. There go, <laughs> I mean, I would, uh, I would disagree a little bit. Okay, let's turn the chairs so that you can, you know, arm wrestle that's and make right. that happen. <laughs> and, and that is... Mentally. Uh, <clears throat> My my current view is that uh, I I cannot condone Christmas. Now that doesn't mean that I condemn people. But who but we don't know what you mean by condemning Christmas. We don't we don't know what that means. Does that mean that people should not celebrate the birth of the Messiah? I, no. What I'm saying is, well, I I don't condone Christmas because Christmas. Before it was the birth of Messiah, it was something it very was, unpleasant. It was something else. Yes, and we know from the Torah how God views mixing truth with lies, even when the people who are doing it are not particular, not particularly pagan, or not are not trying to worship right. another God, and have perhaps even forsaken all of the bad stuff that was with. I'm with you. I'm so, gonna... so, so, my current view is I can't condone the practice of Christmas, but that doesn't mean that I'm going around condemning everybody who does. Because let's face it, most of the people who do are not doing it because they're intentionally trying to right. be paid. They're, they're dropped those, and and they're it's out of ignorance and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I do understand the dynamic with families. I mean. You guys have probably heard me share before, but my mother, the Christmas queen, of blessed memory, was the Christmas queen, you know, and um, and on Christmas Day, even though she, we made it clear to her when we made the transition, Mom, we're practicing, we're we're gonna, we're celebrating Hanukkah, uh, and we'd love for you to participate in that, um, in, in our home, and she she did, she got involved with Hanukkah, she loved Hanukkah. But to honor mom, because we have a weightier, a weightier issue here, mm-hmm. right here. On Christmas Day, we'd go to the house yeah. and we'd have Christmas you know, dinner with her and spend the day with her, right? And that's and that, and that worked. That worked. Sure. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you get all the Christmas stuff out of your system? Okay. Because we're not talking about Christmas tonight. We're talking about Hanukkah tonight. I submit to you that as believers in Messiah Yeshua, Hanukkah should be 
up there with Pesach. It should be an extraordinary event for you. It doesn't have anything to do with the oil. It doesn't have anything to do with fried foods. And it really doesn't even have anything to do with light. It has to do with two things that are absolutely unique to your faith. One is an absolute, complete rededication of your faith in Messiah Yeshua and walking it out day by day. I mean, look, guys. Three, six, nine, ten, fourteen. There's eighteen of us here. Almost two minions braved the snow. <laughs> For what? To get together with a bunch of girls? No. To get together with guys. <laughs> because when you started keeping Torah, you recognized that it was more than just a book. It was the living out of a relationship between you and the creator of the universe. You made a rededication of your faith like nothing you ever did before you started keeping the Torah. It's as simple as that. Rededication is what Hanukkah is all about. It's not the fighting. It's not the cool stories about cheese and wine and a, a pretty girl who steps up. It's not even about a guy who's as macho as can be and gets nicknamed the Hammer. Don't you wish you got that going for you? Like, he's the Uzi. You know? It's not even about that. It's about two things. One is rededication. And we are living examples of that. It should be top shelf, therefore. And the second is the true miracle. The true miracle being that we are outnumbered in this world and always will be. And when all is said and done, and this world is going to hell in a handbasket, our Messiah will return. And though we are outnumbered, and though our foes seem to be far greater and stronger than we, we will overcome because of the blood of the Lamb. It's as simple as that. We are overcomers. Nike. Book of Revelation. It's a Greek word for it. That is Hanukkah. Dedication, rededication, and a minority force overpowering a superior force. If you're going to change the world, you may end up getting your head chopped off. God bless you. I'm going to die before that. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced of that. I'm too old. He's probably too old. He's a little borderline, so is he. <laughs> but you young guys, you're host. Right. You're just that's it. You will be judging the world. Right, I mean, there's a good end. <laughs> it just starts pretty bad. That's Hanukkah. And that's why it should be more important to believers in Messiah Yeshua, one guy against the principalities and powers of this world. And he beat it. John. Uh, I was going to say that 
you know, there, there are different spiritual undertakings, you know, as we approach the high holy days, and then there's you know, the cleaning up the house of the Kalnets in, in preparation for Pesach, that the uh, time of rededication is, is also a time to clean out the spiritual junk, to, to analyze and look at the purity of our lives. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's, it's like our times of prayer each day. If you're praying three times a day, you know, there's there's that that's keeping you on track, but you're, then the, the you're festivals. going to you're going to Hanukkah hourly because of the prayers, daily, monthly, the festivals. Absolutely, our whole our, I mean, our whole walk is all about rededication. Yeah. I mean, we wonder when we're in the church why guys fall off so quick. We're only getting together once a week. They only talk to God one week, once a week. We're not going out of the park. Dedication is what we're all about. Uh, that was actually going to be a similar comment. Oh, that I had, so. uh, the the preparation that you take of Hanukkah, the rededication. I'm going to try to put kind of allegorically. What are you? What are the pigs on your altar, mm. so so to speak? <laughs> and, and that can be like, okay, that's a nice platitude, but it's true. It's if it's going to be as high and serious of a festival as Pesach, then the rededication. I'm sure, it, for the people who originally participated in it back in the day, also had that understanding of, okay, we've been spared, what for? Yeah. It's not just so that you can continue living on, it's so that you can have a legacy. To see, sure. why, why was I spared and exactly. the rest of the people were not? Why were they yeah. me and yeah. not the seven brothers? Or, or, or the, two, uh, the two lepers that have it across the, the camp of the enemy. And it, the enemy's gone. And, you know, they're stuffing their faces and hiding all the stuff, and they're like, what we are doing is wrong. Why have we been shown this great favor to save all these people? And the other point was that, okay, why, one of the things is we've been given the understanding of this walk, and so to, to keep that and to not share that <laughs> would be, you might as well not celebrate it. If you're just gonna have your own, like, celebrate it. Do something at work, like what Joshua did for his coworkers. Talk to your family members about it. Make it known. Amen. Amen. Good. Just to dovetail on your second point, which really is the idea that there is a prophetic element to the festival of Hanukkah mm-hmm. um, that should impact our faith. Amen. You know, and um, the prophet Daniel prophesied uh, about the abomination of desolation, which was later understood to have been when um, Antiochus uh, Antiochus Epiphanes set up an image in the temple and then uh, offered pigs on the altar and all of that. So, um, that's in Matthew 24. If you haven't read it recently. So, when Yeshua in Matthew 24 makes a statement in response to the question from his Talmudim about what would be the, you know, the sign of his, of his coming and the sign of the end of the, of end of the age and all of that, he says, when you see the abomination that makes it desolate, right? And if you kind of put yourself in their shoes, they were probably scratching their head a little bit because... They had probably been taught and understood up to that point that wait a minute, that happened. 
That how, that how prophecy you, was already fulfilled. How many of you know about the Minutemen in Boston? The what? The Minutemen. How many of you know about the Washington crossing the Delaware? How many of you you know see what I'm doing? How far ago was that? That's how far it was from the disciples hearing the Master say this back to the Maccabees. It's the same thing. Right. So, but by him making that statement and playing off of that prophecy in Daniel, he's saying that, he's not saying that what happened during the time of the Maccabees was not a fulfillment. It was. But he's saying there is going to be a repeat performance of that whole event, that whole scenario, if you will, uh, which then speaks to, you know, ties into other prophecies, um, speaking of the end of days and whatnot. So when we, when we talk about Hanukkah, <coughs> there is, like so many things in the Tanakh, there is a historical aspect, <coughs> but there is a prophetic a aspect that is very real and that we should all understand and appreciate and should should be, you know, uh, we should be cognizant of that. And we faithful. should be equipped to share. Also, I think um, on a personal level, this time is a really good time to um, gear up for the rest of the year as far as sharing. Because I think that one of the things you see about Hanukkah is um, a lot of the, the story focuses on small number of righteous dudes taking on a whole bunch of bad guys. And most of the time, they were pressured to violate their faith and had to choose not to. You've got Hannah and her seven sons who all die because they won't eat non-kosher meat. You've got um, Mattathias who refuses to offer the pig offering and so on and so forth. And even elements of the holiday that, we, that are traditional reinforce this principle. You put a Hanukkah in your window so that everyone who goes by can see it as they, go, as they drive past your house. And it's, I, I think it's helpful to remember these types of things um, to kind of build up that chutzpah. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I tell you, you know, I, I, I fought for the longest time about wearing my kippah and tzitzit out. I, I was just a little intimidated by that idea. Um, and I finally gave in and started doing it. And I am so glad I did. I get more questions mm -hmm. about my faith because these little strings coming off the, you know, my belt loop area, not on my belt loops, because that would not be it, but <laughs> that general vicinity. Um, and, uh, and it is so cool, because it gives me a chance to even just quit the little short zinger, this is about keeping the commandments of God. Amen. And I think that, that that principle within Hanukkah, these guys risk their lives, you know, how much more can I risk a little temporary embarrassment? Festival of Lights. If you are the light of the world and your Rebbe is the light of the world how are you letting your light so shine you can't put a Hanukkah in the room what's wrong with it yeah, yeah. How, many, how many of you have bushels you're hiding your Hanukkah <laughs> I I, I want to make sure that if you walk out of here tonight you understand where I'm coming from. You may disagree. But I think your ability to articulate what Hanukkah is all about, know the story. If you don't know the story, read First and Second Maccabees. If you don't own First and Second Maccabees, you have at least two choices. Number one, google.com. 
Maccabees. <laughs> Read it online. It's free. Yeah, Option yeah. two, drive over here, and I can give it to you in as many books as you can read, but we'll sit and read it together. I've even got an audio book that reads it to you. Learn the story. Learn what happened. Learn the names, the players. Who was the hammer? Was Mattathias the hammer? No. His son was the hammer. What's hammer? Maccabee. Learn what happens. Learn how they fought. If you're a prepper, or you think that the world is going to come crashing down on you, or you're absolutely perfectly sane, and believe that at some point there's going to be some kind of mark somewhere that's going to stop you from performing commerce, then you will end up living like, if not fighting like, the Maccabees. Tibbles that by a crossbow. <laughs> okay? Maccabees are also useful for proof that Real Jews brandish weapons. Yeah, I was about to say, if, if you get gifts at all, I can just give and get the weapons. That's right. Ammo, arrows, ninja stories, yeah. Box of ammo. Yeah, yeah box of ammo. That gunpowder that blows up in the thing and do that little ninja <laughs> trick. So that, yeah. All right. Three things about Hanukkah. Give me one. It's not connected to Christmas. It's not connected in any way to Christmas. Rededication. Who said that? Thank you. It means rededication. Something that we should be all about. All the time. I mean, did you sin today? Pardon? Did you sin today? Uh, uh, what do you think? <laughs> but, uh, hey, that's a question. What do you mean by sin? <laughs> <laughs> Did you sin today? What do you mean by that? <laughs> Did you? Yes, of course. Whoa. I heard an of course there. I did too. No. Do you have to sin? What's, no. what's wrong with that? Back row. Does he have to sin? Is it a choice to sin? Yes. Does that mean he chose to sin? No one sins out of duty. Oh. Thank you. So, did you sin today, yes or no? Not that I know of. Okay. Oh. Did you? Not that I know of. Okay. I got a righteous group in the front row. I sinned today. I know exactly what it was. What is my next step? I'm going to repent. And then rededicate. Purposely? Did no, I didn't purposely do it. <laughs> well, then but I did see it. Because I looked back. Consciously did it. Like Peter told you? In this case, I looked back on the day and realized that I had sinned. I made restitution. I did repent. And I am now rededicating. Whether you chose to, determined that you did, or didn't, your life is marked by repentance and rededication every day. If it's not, you're not a believer in, in Messiah Yeshua. It's as simple as that. And you may say, well, that's a little over the top. If you're not into rededication, you're not saved. If you continue in sin, you cannot be saved. 
Go read First John. You can't. That's right. If you know you're sinning, stop it. You can't. We cannot. We are all about rededicating. You determine you made a mistake. You determine you're an idiot and you actually did it on purpose. Turn around. Repent. Rededicate yourself to the ways of God. That's the way we live. If that's not the way you live, you're not a believer. You can argue that with me all you want. You'll lose. So rededication. Thank you, Leslie. That's two. Redemption of the minority. Amen. A redemption of the minority, sadly. A war, a battle, an understanding of what is to come, and a resoluteness to rededicate ourselves to a battle that is ahead. That's our life. How many of you are waiting for Messiah to come? Uh, 100%. How about What is generically the biggest sign that his return is imminent? Because I do not believe that his return according to the dictionary definition of imminency, is imminent at this moment. What will make it imminent? He said it. I beg your pardon? He said it. That makes it guaranteed. What will make it imminent? Oh, because he said it was imminent. (laughs) What'd you say? The abomination in the temple. The abomination of desolation that Daniel spoke about is definitely... I think I got one thing before that, though. But you're absolutely there. What's that? The heavenly signs. Signs in the heavens. Sun turns blood red. Hmm. Black. Sun Sun turns blood red. red. And the moon turns... Sun turns black as sackcloth. Moon turns blood red. Thank you very much. Peace. That's the answer. Happen next year? This is my son. Peace. The sign that you should be looking for is peace with Israel. Peace in the Middle East. That is it. You want to argue eschatology? Get a bottle of wine. Let's sit down and look at it. That's the next thing up. When you see peace, start the clock, bud. Start the clock. Especially if it involves any kind of seven-year timelines. And somewhere in there, sort of before the middle, maybe, sort of after the middle, somewhere around the middle, we're going to see that abomination. You bet. I have a question for clarity. Would it be we see peace or we see a peace covenant? Established. I'm gonna I'm gonna say both only because it appears, at least in Daniel's writings, um, that this false peace is snatched away. So there has to be some sense of it. So that's why I would say that we should see okay. some kind of peace. And I would think that the oratory going on is at least going to be on CNN, if not on Fox News. Would we? I mean, would that mean that there would be kind of a great? War before the peace, or is it just like peace now, even though there is just little skirmishes going on? I don't think there's going to be a great war prior to that, personally, but that's speculation. I think that I have never in my lifetime, 54, I don't think I've ever read the news every day and read about so much crap going on all around the planet. I mean, countries I can't even pick out on the, on the globe are in the middle of a war. 
and these guys, and you know, and now the monsoon and earthquakes, and it sounds so biblical. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just you know making it up. But it's snowing in November in the south. Holy hell! What's the world coming to? So I've got a challenge for you, and we'll close with this. It's almost the middle of November. Hanukkah is going to be on you in two weeks. Christmas comes three, maybe four weeks later. There's about seven weeks. Give it two months. From now until the turn of the calendar, I challenge you not to equate Hanukkah with Christmas, not even one more time. Get in all the arguments and debates you want, but not even once. See if you can do it. Go to the end of the year, past Christmas, and not equate it together. Not even once. Second, I challenge you. Don't call it Hanukkah. When you're talking to people who don't keep the Torah, I challenge you not to call it Hanukkah. You do that already. When you're talking to Christians, concert reflect, sometimes you drop the Hebrew. Deliberately. Sometimes, as I'm chazening, he does it too. We, we don't do it in Hebrew, we do it in English. Because we've got visitors, or we've got folks that don't understand. And we want to be sensitive to them. It's the same words. Same meaning. This, you know, you're talking to the old guy. You don't call him Yeshua because he doesn't know what Yeshua is. So you call him Jesus. You don't call it Shabbat. You call it the Sabbath. I challenge you. If you're talking to a Christian, a non-Torah keeper, until the end of the year, don't call it Hanukkah. Let them call it Hanukkah and you correct them. Well, the Feast of Dedication, Absolutely. It's a great time in our family. It's it's a regular it's a regular thing, but this is boy the culmination of a big reminder. It's a big reminder. It's not unlike the Fourth uh, of July, Independence Day. <laughs> yeah. You can completely dis demystify and de Hebrew the whole thing. And if you've kept number one. They'll have a new appreciation of the Feast of Dedication or the Feast of Lights. But what if they... Without sticking it with Christmas. What if they equate Christmas and Hanukkah? I think we need to bust that. And one of the best ways to do that is to say that I, I think what you're thinking of Christmas has nothing to do with dedication at all. Oh, but we do. I know, I know, I know. So you make you make whatever headway you can. All I'm saying is, you got the rest of your life. Take one year, two months. Give it a shot. See if you make any headway. A class in January. I'll ask and see if you had any differences. If anything came to fruition, it's worth a shot. Dedication is what we're all about. Because dedication breeds commitment. 
In fact, if you dedicate twice, you've rededicated. And if you've rededicated, you're committed. If you're committed and you continue to rededicate, you establish habits. And if you establish habits, they may rub off on your children. And now without even knowing it, you've established a tradition. Holy cow. Turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 7, please. Numbers chapter 7. So you either didn't bring your Bible, it's too dark to see, or it's all electronic. I get the really E4. That's why. That's why. He opened his Bible to number seven. It was a sign from God that his rededication has been approved. <laughs> the word Hanukkah appears in the apostolic scriptures. I beg your pardon. The word Hanukkah appears in the... Uh, in the Torah, or actually in the Tanakh, eight times. Four times. 50% in Numbers chapter 7. Joe, give me Numbers 7.10. Joshua 7.84. Uh, Isaac 7.88. Gregory, 2 Chronicles 7.9. Greg, Nehemiah 12.27. You don't actually get to read a psalm, but read the non-inspired title of Psalm 30. Joe, this is Numbers chapter 7 and verse 10. And the prince is offered for dedication on the altar in the day that it was anointed. Even the princes offered their offering before the altar. Give me the next verse as well. And the Lord said unto Moshe, they shall offer their offerings, each prince on his day for the dedicating of the elder. That's two times right there. Joshua, Numbers 7, 84. This was the dedication offering for the altar from the leaders of Israel when it was anointed. Twelve silver dishes, twelve silver bowls, twelve gold pans. And a whole bunch of other stuff. That's right. Mm -hmm. 788. No partridges. <laughs> 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 we were all thinking it. I know. We were all. Uh, I didn't. Your purity reigns. Isaac, 788. And all the cattle for the sacrifice of peace offerings, 24 bulls. The rams, 60. The male goats, 60. The male lambs, a year old, 60. This was, a, this was the dedication offering for the altar after it was anointed. So there you go. That's four times in Numbers chapter 7. And almost, I think every case, is talking about the dedication of the altar and what was done. And of course, that's exactly what happened at Hanukkah. The rededication of the temple and specifically the altar. Gregory, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 9. And on the eighth day they held a solemn assembly, for they had kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. How about that? The altar again. Greg, Nehemiah 12, 27. Now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites from all their places to bring them to Jerusalem so that they might celebrate the dedication with gladness, with hymns of thanksgiving, and with songs to the accompaniment of cymbals, harps, and lyres. 
I think that should be a part of our dedication this year. That kind of dedication. This is the only time where we've got a dedication of the wall, which of course leads us back to Hanukkah and not just the altar but the temple as well. Psalm 30 um, verse 0, if you will, the title of it is actually in the scriptures as? A Psalm of David, a song at the dedication of the temple. And there you have it. Okay. Got it here somewhere. Psalm 30, verse 0. Right, the title. It's the title. When the Tadikim take leave of each other at the study hall of Rav Yosef, they would say one to the other, You shall see your children's children come to faith, and your end shall be with the life of the world to come. And your faith will affect the hope for many generations. May your heart ponder and achieve understanding of Torah. May your mouth speak wisdom to everyone you meet. May your tongue bring forth song as you praise the Holy One, blessed is He. May you have the self-control to have your eyes look straight before you. May your eyes be enlightened by the light of Torah. And may your face shine like the brightness of the sky. May your lips utter knowledge, your heart rejoice in righteousness, and your feet run to hear the words of the Ancient of Days. Amen. Amen. Men, I... I I praise God for you. You've changed my life. And I mean that sincerely. And you change it on a regular basis. Sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad. But you do change it. You do change it. I'd like us to pray for, uh, for Colby's mom. If I could uh, get uh, two, three men just to lift her up, lift up the family. We should probably also pray for the Philippines. And that. Oh, man, yeah. Was that the largest... Um, Typhoon in ever. like ever. They compared to be from Florida to Boston. Is that right? Yeah. From a size perspective. Yeah. So did I hear? Is, it, is the number? Is it? Was it like ten thousand people? Over. Over ten thousand people died. Yeah. A hundred thousand displaced or more. Yeah. That's extraordinary. Well, we pray. You feel led? Pray. You know. Just bow. Father, I do want to lift up um, Colby's mom, Judy. Judy, we know that you are um, the great physician, the one who has all of the powers of healing in mm. your command. You create sickness and you create healing. You create life and you create death, and you are in charge of all of these things. And there is none who can um, challenge you. And Heavenly Father, we ask right now for mercy for Judy, that you would... Um, allow healing Thank in you, her Father. body, that she would bring restoration to her body, mm. that you would do miracles in her body, Yes, Father. that you would use her as a testimony and a witness of your goodness and of your power in this world, um, that you would enable uh, doctors to be surprised. And uh, Lord, I know that Colby's parents are not... Um, don't see things quite the same way as he does regarding you. And I just pray that you would allow this um, to be an opportunity, one, for Colby to minister. Pray that you would give Colby grace and peace and love, that you give him 
words mm. of compassion, words that come from you. Um, and then I pray that you would do a miracle and that you would allow Colby to be able to praise you openly and to, um, to use that as a tool to bring his parents closer to you. And Heavenly Father, I do pray in particular you be with Colby right now. I pray that you would give him peace that passes understanding. I pray that you would give him wisdom far beyond his years. I pray that you would comfort him. I pray that fear uh, would be removed from him, that you would allow him to have trust in you, to know that you are the God who's in charge of every detail in life, and that he would have um, courage and grace mm. in the midst of this time. Thank you, Father. We ask for mercy on those who have sustained enormous loss, whether of property or family or friends, or life, health. And we pray that your people, O oh God, would rally together to support, to bring comfort, to bring sustenance, and to show that the world is watching, that the world is aware. We are not too tucked away in our own business to mind them. Father, we pray that if we have the opportunity to give charity to that, that we would be forthcoming and that we would be generous with honorable donations and with honorable charities that we could donate to. And we ask that we be a light in some way to those, whether by praying or by giving, may you affect them based upon our prayers, O oh God. Would you have mercy upon those who are down there, Father? Mm. Yes, Lord. Lord, and it does seem like the, the weather is changing and that you clearly uh, have told us not to be caught asleep, to be watchmen and beware of the signs of the times and up until a couple of years ago I've never even heard of a tsunami and how many there has been so far and just so many tornadoes and just crazy things going on Lord and help us to be uh, prayer warriors to be on our toes to be watchmen and all, help us to always uh, have a word for anybody that uh, to defend what we believe and to share it with others at every opportunity we can. Hmm. Thank you, Bob. You know, I just um, join with these prayers for Judy. Um, she would just bring com complete recovery and healing to her as, as, your, as it is your will and to these um, many thousands of people suffering in the Philippines that you would um, use this as an opportunity to draw them close to you to allow um, allow your hand to be shown uh, strong on their behalf that they would ultimately see um, Messiah through the tragedy but I also lift up Israel today we pray for your people Israel in the land, yes. out of the land 
wherever we are, we pray that you would uh, guard the holy nation. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We, we um, just continue to watch what happens there because as goes Jerusalem, so goes the rest of the world. That's right. And as um, our own country and certainly the international community in general continues to put pressure on Israel to divide the land, divide the, the, the city of our great king, we know that these are unacceptable outcomes for you. And so we just pray that you would um, strengthen the leadership in Israel, strengthen Benjamin Netanyahu, give him wisdom, surround him with people who um, who are wise, who uh, have uh, your interests in, in mind and, and not some other agenda. We pray that you would um, rally those around the world who will stand uh, with Israel as the days grow darker. And uh, as for me, I cast my lot with them. Mm. And so I pray that you would um, just bless them like the mountains surround Jerusalem, surround your people, and protect them and guard them. Yes. I just trust you for it. Mm-hmm. And I pray for, uh, I also want to pray for Kobe's mother. Um, I pray that this time you give her an extra measure of grace and uh, courage in this time of trial. I also pray that, um, you know, Lord, you alone perform wonders and you alone can perform miracles. And we ask that you would, if it be your will, you would perform one for her in this time. I pray also for Colby and his father and his brother that you would give them also grace and courage and that they would be able to see you through this and I just, I just pray that you know they would they'd all come together as a family and be able to face this together mm. I also want to pray for the people in the Philippines Lord um, the terrible terrible time for those there um, but again you alone um, you, you cause life and you cause death, Lord, and pray that you would be with those people there and the people ministering there, and that uh, they would be able to see you through this, and that, you know, whatever help we can give, you know, we'll be given. Mm-hmm. Father, a lot of us are not comfortable praying. Certainly, we have to come up with it, and it's not in a book. I pray for everyone here from Jerry to Isaac that you would teach us to pray, that you would help us to articulate your words back to you, that we would pray in concert with your will, Father. I pray that we would not just pray for the help of the people in this terrible typhoon, their homes washed away and their relatives dead, I pray, Father, we would also marvel that you've allowed us to live yet another day. That we would recognize that every breath we take is in your hand. And that all things are held together by your will. Father, we do lift up Colby as one of us. And we pray that you would grant him the right words to say. 
and one to keep his mouth shut. That he would be a comforter, he would be one of great strength, and that as the pressure is put on him, everyone around would see what's inside. And that you, Lord, Yeshua, that he loves so much, would be obvious and plain to see. That he would be ready, Father, to give an account for the hope that lies within him when he's asked. We do lift up Judy. We do pray that you'd heal her. Father, if you don't, we pray that you'd use her sickness to bring glory to you in some way through her salvation, through her rededication, through the life of the family. We just really don't know what to pray there, Father. We know you can heal her. I pray for Colby's brother. I've met him. I pray, Father, that you would draw him to yourself, that you'd give him now not another excuse to put you off, but rather, Father, to see a difference in his brother's life as how he approaches sickness, cancer, possible death. Father, I pray that today would be the the beginning of a rededication for each one of us here. That we look back at the end of the year and get a little smile and see how we did. I pray that we would be in the habit of doing that every day. That we'd start our day out right with you. We'd recognize that you're there throughout the day. And that by your grace, you choose to withhold calamity, sickness, and typhoons from us. But I am reminded that the prayer of any man in this class, the prayer of a righteous man, avails much. So, Father, I pray that you would find us faithful to pray over these next days for Colby and his mom, Judy, and the rest of his family. That you find us faithful to pray for those desperate and without hope in the Philippines. For we have the privilege now, Father, as Gentiles, having been grafted in and become part of the commonwealth of Israel, to come before the King of the universe, the Holy One of Israel, with our petitions. And we can draw near because of the blood of Messiah Yeshua. And we're grateful for that and pray all these things, not on our own behalf, not because of anything we have done, for the sake of the patriarchs and for the sake of our great Redeemer, Yeshua. Amen. 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 Hmm.